We're here today to talk about instant payments. I'm joined by Jill Byrne from BPFI and Tony Smith from KPMG. Um, so we've got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about, so we'll just get straight on. Jill, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Thanks a million. I'm own, uh, delighted to be here. So yeah, my name is Jill Byrne. I'm the Head of Payments with the Banking and Payments Federation Ireland. Um, we are working with our retail, international and payment um, providers in the Irish market, all of our members um, on the SEPA Instant, um, I suppose, program or piece of work. Um, I've worked in the payments industry for the past maybe close to 20 years um, across retail banking, primarily um, in various payment related programs. So delighted to be here. Thanks. And Tony? Um, great to have you here, Jill, and uh, thank you and lovely to be here. Uh, I'm an associate director with KPMG. I work with the management consulting practice. Uh, prior to joining KPMG, um, I've not quite as experienced as Jill, but, but around maybe 15 years industry experience uh, across traditional banking and fintech as well, both from the technology side of the house and the business side of the house. Uh, so great to be here today. That's excellent. Pleasure to have you both here. Um, I think it's been a really interesting discussion, right? So. Tony, I might start with you. What's all the fuss about, right? You know, we've been able to do payments uh, for a long time. Tell us about SEPA instant payments and what's going to be different. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the European Commission have, have been working um, since the introduction of the euro currency back in you know, 2002 uh, to support the European payments landscape in Europe. So that started off really with the launch of SEPA credit transfer back in 2008, and that allowed uh, participants operating in that scheme to send and receive euro payments all across Europe. Uh, before that, there were individual national legacy uh, payment systems, and it was very uh, expensive. It was very time uh, cost, uh, sorry, uh, with a high time cost as well uh, to make those payments. So SEPA brought a bit real improvement, and that was augmented with the release of the direct debit scheme in two thousand and nine. And then in 2017, uh, for the first time, there was a, an instant payment scheme, which is a voluntary scheme as distinct from the others. So with the instant payment scheme, it allows up to 100,000 euro to be transferred anywhere within euro within 10 seconds. And not only that, but it allows it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every calendar day of the year. So from an end customer perspective, day or night, they will be able to send and receive instant payments. That's brilliant. And Jill, your role in BPFI, this is about bringing this value right, to, to our, our consumers and businesses. What does this mean for them? Absolutely. So we work with all, um, all of our members, all um, PSPs, both retail banks, international banks and pay payment players um, across the Irish industry. And firstly, I suppose just to say that instant payments is an important building block for the future of pan-European payments. Um, from a consumer perspective, you know, it offers many benefits, but if we start from a consumer perspective, we publish on a quarterly basis a payments monitor. So that payments monitor consistently um, with, da with data, I suppose, received traditionally from the, the retail banks is showing customer preference for quick, frictionless payments. Um, so from a consumer perspective, their preference is um, instant payments. Um, so it's meeting, I suppose, the needs, demands and expectations from their perspective. I think as well, it'll allow help customers in the environment that we were in um, budget more effectively and efficiently, given it's real time. 
it'll pave the way for innovation. Um, and from a consumer perspective, that will mean that will be more kind of opportunities or solutions that I can use when I'm making payments um, because they're instant. Um, from a business perspective, similar, um, but it's more so in terms of the cash flow. So include improved cash flow, improved kind of liquidity management um, on their cash positions. Um, and it's an improvement maybe, uh, or an opportunity to avail um, of improvement in processes from a treasury perspective, in invoice per perspective, reconciliation perspective, um, just because payments are happening um, within the 10 second um, process, it just allows for, for opportunities. Um, I, I think we, we, we've mentioned it, but it's probably useful to, to say that 13%, I think, as per the latest um, data from the Commission, 13% of all payments across Europe are processed as instant payments today. Um, so a, a low, probably, um, uptake with maybe 62% of all PSPs adherent to the SEPA scheme. The Commission's intention and the reason behind this um, mandating is to make instant payments um, the new norm. And as I said, from the opportunities that I've, that I've outlined, I think it will um, their opportunities will be plentiful. So, Jill, that, that's really interesting, right? There's loads of opportunity there, but perhaps, you know, I'm a bit uh, confused. Why, well, why now? We're, you know, we're November 2023. Tony, you talked about this being around since 2017. Jill, you talked about 13%, uh, you know, sort of take up. What's changing, Tony, that makes uh, this different now? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it's, it's a great point, Owen. Um, I think, you know, 12 months ago, there was a lot of work done by the European Commission where really, you know, they acknowledged that there was an underwhelming lack of uptake in the optional scheme. Um, and six years in, they, they wanted to understand why this is. So in terms of the, the underwhelming uptake, as I describe it, um, and as Jill referenced, it's a little over one in 10 payments today, euro payments that are actually sent as an instant payment. And when you look across border payments within the eurozone, that number is even less. So I think, um, I think in order to drive up the volume to help it become the new normal, as Commissioner McGuinness alludes to, um, I think this legislative intervention is, is a welcome move. Um, we have also seen in some jurisdictions across the Eurozone uh, some practices which have, uh, you know, been a little detrimental in terms of adoption and giving, giving adoption that uplift. Uh, in some member states we have seen where there have been uh, fairly hefty costs associated with sending an instant payment up to 30 euro in some cases, in fact. Um, we have also seen inefficient sanction screening, and this really harks back to legacy SEPA credit transfer, you know, batch processing, Monday to Friday, nine to five, and, and taking this technology, applying it in the 24 seven, 365 environment, instant payments, which is, you know, high volume, low latency, has to be done very, 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 very quickly as per the scheme rules. Um, and it was the inefficient sanction screening piece that was really causing quite a number of failures. One in 10 cross-border payments, in fact, were failing because of the inefficient sanction screening. And the overwhelming majority, 99.8%, uh, were because of false positives. So this is a really welcome move, putting clear parameters around which the European payments landscape, from an instant perspective, is going to operate going forward. 
Jill, I guess you know, sort of looking at this, the way that this instant payment might work, that you need a sender and a receiver involved in this relationship, um, getting that up, up and running, is that perhaps the reason why we're not seeing the uptake so far? I think that's certainly one of the um, one of the areas um, that the Commission, I suppose, are, are, are trying to um, address by, by, by mandating um, instant payments. Um, because it's probably well um, I, I documented that the adherence rates, I mentioned the 62%, that's across Europe, and the adherence rates in Ireland would be kind of considered um, lower than, than the norm. Um, because of that key point, um, Owen, it's both the sending bank and the receiving bank have to be adherent to the scheme in order to send mm. a payment, an instant payment to and from. Um, so, so, so yes, I, I think it was considered um, certainly a, a barrier um, to increased adoption from the Commission's perspective. Um, and that probably leads us into um, maybe giving an, an overview of there were certain kind of barriers to the increased adherence rates um, and the Commission sought to address them in the way that they mandated um, or in the way that they published the legislative proposal. Thanks, Jill. Tony, are there any other barriers in the marketplace that have really sort of prevented a, you know, a quicker take-up? Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, Jill's point is absolutely right. And in addition uh, to that, uh, sender and receiver both needing to be operational on the scheme. Uh, the other uh, contributory factors have been the high cost of instant payments in some member states, which we have seen to be as high as 30 euro per transfer. Uh, we've also seen an increased uh, perceived risk, certainly, of, of fraud um, with an instant payments because it's, it's irrevocable. You know, once the instant payment has been delivered, that money is in the receiver's account. Um, unlike a, a SEPA credit transfer where there is a window of opportunity to recall the funds to cancel the credit instruction before it settles with the recipient. And then finally, another of the big uh, drivers in this space has been the, the inefficient sanction screening uh, where uh, the batch processing uh, environment uh, sanction screening model has been used in an instant payments environment that hasn't been able to complete within the time frame of 10 seconds, which is very, uh, you know, short. Um, and, and that's certainly been a contributory factor as well. Very good. Thank you. Um, so, Jill, the, this legislation is landing. Um, what, what, what does that mean in terms of, obviously, there's a benefit to drive up take-up, um, but you know, what, what might it mean in terms of changes that uh, organisations need to consider? So, the legislative proposal, as published on the 26th of October, kind of covered four key areas. And, and really, as, as Tony and, and, and I outlined kind of briefly before, there were a number of barriers to um, perceived by the, the Commission to the uptake. And that's the way that they have, um, I suppose, published the proposal. They've kind of addressed those four key areas. Um, one is on the sender and the receiver side um, is mandatory uptake. So that will mean um, by the timelines outlined in the proposal and agreed in the final legislation, which we'll probably talk to a little bit later, um, it'll mean that all payment service providers or all PSPs that offer regular credit transfers, regular SEPA credit transfers today, will be mandatory, it'll be mandatory for them to offer instant um, SEPA transfers. Um, it'll be mandatory for them to offer instant SEPA transfers on all existing channels that they offer regular credit transfers. So on their online banking, be it personal and business channels, um, on their mobile banking, um, in their branch, 
um, not in Ireland now, but there are a number of um, banks across Europe that offer the ability to make a regular credit transfer on an ATM. That is in scope. So it's on all existing channels. Um, if you offer it, you're, you're mandated um, to provide instant payments um, as an option to your customer, be a consumer or a business. Um, the other aspect is in terms of pricing. So, so Tony spoke about um, some member states um, char used the SEPA instant proposition as a kind of considered premium service and, and charged for that. So in order to address and I suppose prevent um, that from happening, the proposal, legislative proposal is capping the price of a SEPA instant transfer. You cannot charge more for an instant payment than you do a regular transfer. The third element is around fraud. Um, so it's probably the customer or the consumer protection element of the proposal. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a mechanism to add friction to the journey with the sole purpose of protecting, um, protecting the consumer. Um, what, what, what will be mandated is um, a name and an IBAN che check before a payment is authorised. And what, what that means is if I am sending you a payment on my mobile banking app, I have your name and I have your IBAN, I will, before I authorise or authenticate that transaction, that message will be sent to your bank. Your bank will check the actual account name that's held for your IBAN. They will send a message back and before I authorise the payment, I will see as a consumer or a business making a payment that that name matches the name that's on the actual account does not match um, or it's a close match. And then I, as the consumer or the business making the payment, has the ability to make the decision to continue and authorise the payment or to abort, um, obviously, which you would hope they would do if it wasn't um, a match. Um, so it's a, it's a consumer protection element. And then the final aspect is on the sanctions piece. Um, so as Tony um, outlined a number, there was a high rate of false positives um, and, and that basically means that a lot of transactions were stopped in that sanction checking process um, when it wasn't an, an, actual, um, an, an actual hit. So in order to prevent that happening, the legislative proposal says that all banks, instead of checking each transaction, each instant payment transaction that's sent out the door, um, they need to once a day check all of their customers, um, so check their client base to confirm they're not on that sanction check checklist or that sanctions list and therefore every separate instant transaction that's processed doesn't need to naturally go through um, that sanctions process and therefore um, it'll reduce um, the I suppose challenges around false positives. So there's there's a kind of the four key areas mandatory uptake and um, the pricing element the fraud aspect and consumer protection name and IBAN matching and the new sanctions process so that's probably it. There's a lot in that, Jill. So um, I know you've been working as part of your role in the BPFI with you know all of the institutions that are in scope, um, and I'm, I'm sure having some clarity as this legislation becomes real, you know, ma makes uh, it much more understandable for everybody in, in what they need to achieve. What's the timelines feel like? So the 26th of October was when the legislative proposal was in originally um, published. It's going through the, fair, the various stages um, in Brussels um, in terms of before it's finally published and, um, and in law. Um, and we know that on the 7th of November, um, the EU Commissioner Mairead McGuinness announced that the trialogue negotiations concluded. Um, and what that meant is the Parliament, the Council um, and the 
um, and the Commission were together discussing and agreed what the final text um, would look like. Um, we know that the don't have the final text yet, um, but there were probably three key areas um, that we do, that we are aware of um, from that agreement, um, and which is important to, to, to answer your question on when you're going to see this. Um, number one was timelines. So the initial proposal outlined that it should be six months for um, mandating that uptake um, for receiving SEPA instant payments and it was originally 12 months um, for all PSPs to implement the name and the IBAN check and to be able to send um, instant payments. Um, so it was a six and a 12 month timeline in the initial proposal, but we know following the conclusion um, of the trilogue um, negotiations, the timelines are now nine months for receiving instant payments and the, the sanctions, new sanction process, and it is 18 months for sending and the name and the IBAN um, check. So what's really key is understanding, they're the timelines, but that's only when the legislation is published um, into law um, and in the official journal and 20 days later takes effect. So it's likely that will be Q1. Um, it is. It will take a, a bit of time to go through and um, the lawyer lingui linguist phase, and it'll also have to be translated into twenty plus languages. Um, and as I said, twenty days later, it will be published into law. So the earliest that can happen is probably February, um, and then nine months later will mean October twenty twenty four. All PSPs will be mandated to receive instant payments and have the new sanction check pass in place. And then 18 months from, we'll say February, is July 2025, um, and all PSPs will be mandated to have the ability to send instant payments and to have that name and IBAN matching check. Just curious, those timelines seem to have extended a little bit. What's, what's behind that? I, I think, to be honest with you, it's, it's probably fair to say that overall, and I've mentioned um, the, the opportunities and the benefits that instant payments um, is, go are, is going to bring consumers, businesses and PSPs, the industry as a whole, the, the pan-EU payments market. Um, but the significance, the scope um, of instant payments and all of the requirements that are contained um, in the proposal that is soon to be um, law is significant in scale. Um, so the original proposal of six and 12 months um, was very ambitious, I think it's probably fair to say. It's something that um, our members and, and BPFI advocated extremely heavily um, in both domestically and, and at an EU level in order to allow for more time to be able to implement this effectively. Um, because the, the changes to the processes, you know, as you said, Tony, moving from batch processing to real time, um, is a significant uplift and, and change to processing, to reconciliation, to infrastructure. Um, so most certainly a welcome um, addition. But that being said, nine and 18 months is still quite um, a lot to fit in um, within those timelines as well. So, Thanks, Jill. Sounds like a lot to do, right? So, um, Tony, uh, do we need to wait until uh, the, the, you know, all the text is like published and we know exactly what needs to happen or and do we know who's in scope and out of scope should people be getting on with it yeah i i don't think we need to wait until the the final final text i think it will certainly act as, as somewhat of a trigger in terms of moving it along but in terms of where we've come from uh, in the early days the the legislation had in scope payment service providers and out of scope were 
you know, the credit unions, payments institutions, e-money institutions. Um, that's evolved over the period of time that this process has been uh, going through uh, Brussels. And, and now the settlement finality directive has been updated. So actually in scope for this legislation is the likes of the, the payments institutions, credit unions, on post e-money institutions and so on. And I think with that clarity um, is uh, an opportunity for all of the above mentioned parties to start planning now because while the, the timelines have been extended from initially six months out to what is now nine months, they're still very challenging timelines. And when you consider the migration from a Monday to Friday, nine to five type environment into 24 seven, three, six, five type environment where you won't necessarily have the same levels of support, there might be increased levels of operational risk, et cetera, um, in those, uh, uh, sort of out of traditional business hour times. Um, I think it's uh, it's going to be really, really important to get your ducks in the road, to get that planning put in place. Um, we would estimate uh, from what we have seen uh, from a European uh, Payment Center of Excellence, uh, we have seen that the vast majority of the work is actually getting up and running for that receiving piece. Um, just to be operational 24-7, to have procedures in place for planned maintenance, etc., where you can bring things down but still remain fully uh, reachable on the instant payment scheme, which is what the legislation mandates. So um, I would be planning now. Um, I would be getting ready with that in mind. That will sharpen as we progress over the next few months in terms of a firm timeline. Uh, but I think... Uh, I think getting ahead of the game now is is key for for all participants. And I I think I just want to uh, like echo that. That's most certainly the, the 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 sentiment and the direction and the movement, and the advocacy from a BPFI perspective. Um, you know that the, the time is now. For the majority of our members' projects are mobilised. Um, so if, if they aren't, they they should be. This is a significant scale project. Um, and and we're obviously supporting our members and um, moving along that journey. Um, but uh, I don't think there's an option to, to, to wait. Um, we have to, to, to use the information that we have, um, just given, as I said, the scale um, and size, significance and the tight timelines. So most organisations are already, you know, sort of in flight, but if you're not, you need to get on with it, I think, is the Absolutely. message there, isn't it? So, so maybe, guys, just an open question to, to, to both of you. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of change. There's a lot of dynamics in, in our uh, financial services market at the moment. You know, new entrants and, uh, you know, some firms leaving Ireland. So with the arrival of a much sort of increased uh, uptake of uh, instant payments, how, how will that change things? Maybe, Jill, your views? Yeah, um, I, I think I've, I've, I, I, we outlined initially the opportunities that instant payments um, can offer the industry from a consumer business and a PSP um, perspective. Um, I think the, the, the changes um, and the updates in terms of what's included in scope, given the process of the, 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 the legislative process, um, in terms of the settlement finality directive and that's inclusion now and the SEPA instant proposal, means it's it's opening um potentially um it's, it's opening the SEPA schemes to the e-money um institutions and the payments institutions so i suppose from a an industry banking and even a european banking perspective um 
there is going to be an increased competition, which is which is welcome. Um, and there is um, that's certainly what the commission are looking looking to do, um, to increase competition. Yeah, I, th I think just generally from a, from a uh, a consumer and from a business standpoint, over the last number of years with you know the COVID pandemic and you know so much of the activity taking place online from Zoom meetings to buying stuff on Amazon and having tracking numbers and seeing where it is and when it's going to be delivered and everything is now everything is instant it's always on it's fully available and ready and payments has always just been a little bit different to that reality so I think in a way this is very much aligned with where society is today in terms of expectations if you're out on a Friday night and want to split a restaurant bill with friends with set payments and payments. Um, it's it's easy to do so, and I think more you know generally speaking, um, with set payments and payments with um, some of the open banking initiatives that have been coming about. I think there is seismic changes happening across the European payments landscape today. And one final point. Aside from the, the consumer and, and business uh, perspective, fr from a fintech perspective, this, this is a really big deal. For years, fintech have been lobbying to get direct access into the payment systems. Today, if, if they want to access the payment systems, it's through correspondent banking relationships. And it's always been a case where, uh, where can we find a home? And, and it's trying to onboard to a bank and going through that very particular set of onboarding requirements, risk appetite, et cetera, et cetera. So I think with the update to the Settlement Finality Directive, the opportunity for fintechs to con connect directly into the European Central Bank, to be a direct participant in the SEPA schemes, to be able to clear and settle directly with the European Central Bank, I think that is a really, really welcome development for the fintech industry. Like it's a really exciting moment to drive innovation, isn't there? There's going to be a lot yeah. happening. So, you know, that, that, that's definitely welcomed. Um, I think you both mentioned something around sort of the costs, right? You know, in terms of there's a, there's a lot to do, right? But it's the legislation requires there, there be no additional cost beyond your know, current fees, right? So how does that equation work? Right? How, you know, how, how, is, how are those costs being absorbed by these organizations? Maybe, Jill, your thoughts? There is no compensation model for the PSPs in this, um, unfortunately. Um, the consumer won't um, be charged, absolutely, um, as, as you said, oh, and the, the consumer won't be charged more for it. Um, it. It definitely was a question that we posed to the commissioner um, and the DG FISMA, et cetera, in, in, in Brussels over the last couple of months. Um, and from their perspective, um, they, they perceive that the benefits um, in terms of operational efficiencies that PSPs will receive because they are processing payments um, in real time and the opportunities that they can avail of um, in terms of an instant payment um, um, will eventually outweigh the, the, the initial, um, initial cost. I, I would say it's probably challenging for maybe some PSPs to realize that um, you know, at, at the moment and to, to kind of see that cost um, benefit analysis, but that is the longer term, um, I suppose, perspective um, from the Commission. Thanks, Jill. Tony, are there other considerations uh, in terms of how all of this change needs to be absorbed? 
Um, yeah, certainly, and I think, again, it's, it's a fundamental migration from one operation uh, to, to another. So um, traditionally with, you know, SEPA credit transfer, SEPA direct debit schemes, which have been up and running since 2008, 2009, it's always been settlement accounts uh, that you hold as the bank with the European Central Bank. It's about having sufficient funds in place ahead of that transact activity going through, etc. But with instant payments, that doesn't work, particularly when you consider the operations team will and liquidity management teams will be there during working hours only. So what happens if there's a big spike in activity on a Saturday morning? You need to be able to accommodate that because it's not good enough for instant payments to work 99% of the time or you know, 99.9% of the time, they need to work all the time. So in order to manage the 24-7 nature of instant payments, uh, the liquidity adjustment cycle is a fundamentally different way of working with instant payments. And with the liquidity adjustment cycle, there's upper and lower ceilings, and the banks would then operate within that parameter, within those upper and lower ceilings. So there's a lot of work, there's a lot of consideration that needs to be done by institutions onboarding to instant payments around how the liquidity management piece is going to work. And then I think from an SME and, and consumer perspective, by simply moving from batch processing, Monday to Friday, nine to five, into an instant payment, you don't have funds that are locked up in, in the back office. Uh, so that's to the tune of 200 billion euro on any given day is being freed up with just that move from batch to instant. So that's going to be a real benefit to small and medium-sized businesses and consumers. Very interesting. There's a lot to do, isn't it? It's, uh, mm. it's such a broad topic. And um, mm. maybe, Tony, just continuing on there. So you're advising you know, many clients in this space. Um, you know, if, if we were sat there looking at someone's roadmap of what needs to be done, like what are the big ticket items that you'd expect to see on there? Yeah, I, I think first and foremost, uh, the environment. How are we going to support something 24-7-365? Um, how are we going to deliver this within the type timeframes that we have? I think one advantageous uh, position to consider is that there are lots of banks across Europe that, that KPMG have assisted already through our European Payments Center of Excellence. And through us assisting banks on those journeys, you know, the lessons learned have, have been taken on board and noted, um, have been refined, and, and they are learning certainly that we can bring to market in terms of uh, best practice. Uh, you know, what are the big uh, areas, uh, hurdles that need to be overcome, et cetera. Um, but for me, the big ticket item certainly is the 24-7 the uh, cloud availability or, or service availability, the liquidity management piece. Operational resilience, I think, is another key area uh, that clients will need to consider. And, and finally, I would say the customer experience, having the customer front and center, thinking about the customer experience um, in the context of all the elements that make up this proposition, the authorized push payment fraud, um, the, the name and IBAN matching service, how that's going to be managed. Um, the reachability element as well, like own a few bank with a certain institution and I try and make a payment to you. I will know from the outset whether your institution is reachable on instant payments or whether it's not instant 
uh, reachable. But in terms of your specific account, there is no visibility uh, from the sender side or from a scheme side. That needs to go all the way through to your bank and they need to say, yes, this account is reachable or the account doesn't exist or end customer deceased or you know whatever the reason is. <laughs> that was a terrible reason code to give. <laughs> yeah, we hope that's not the example, but keep <laughs> yeah. going, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At least to the end of this podcast, I might make it. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so, so I do see room for further enhancements in the future where there is vis visibility over the state of that end account. And, and there are lots of uh, tools and players in industry who have developed uh, various methods of uh, increasing straight through processing uh, on payment rails. And, and we can see that those could potentially be enhanced in the future to incorporate that functionality to give as high uh, straight through processing rate as is possible. Guys, we've talked a lot about separate instant payments. Is, is that it or you know, what, what else is coming down the track? Tony? Yeah, no, no certainly there's a lot of balls in the air at the minute on. Um, so I think you know, uh, over the last five, 10 years, there's been more innovation and more movement in the European payments landscape than at any other time in, in its history. So looking at those uh, balls that are up in the air today, we have, aside from SEP instant payments, clearly, we have the new uh, PSD3 and PSOR. So in 2015, the second uh, iteration of the Payment Services Directive was released, and that was really the genesis of open banking in Europe. Um, on reflection and taking learnings over the last eight years. Uh, draft legislation was put forward in June uh, this year um, by the European Commission around what they call an evolution rather than a revolution with the Payment Services Directive. So really the Payment Services Directive is ensuring quality of, of APIs, which is how the banks talk to one another and share information with open banking third-party providers AISPs, which are the account information service providers, the payment initiation service providers, also how they can communicate with one another in a standardized way just to give that drive again, that uplift with, with open banking. And then you, you throw in on top, there's the uh, exploratory phase, uh, which is progressing uh, with uh, the European Central Bank around uh, considering a digital euro, a central bank digital currency, a CBDC. And uh, just uh, last month, it moved into the next phase. So it really is a question of when rather than if we will see a digital euro. I think, um, I think that's a, a really key one. And there was a central bank conference last week where our governor um, said exactly that, um, Tony. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of, of, of when. Um, and the, the key kind of high level aspects of the, the digital euro, um, as, as I see it, in order to understand what it means at this stage is it'll be mandatory for every PSP to offer or to distribute the digital euro. And it will be mandatory for every merchant to accept digital euro. Um, so that is massive. Um, you know, it's not just on you know the banking and the the, the, the PSP communities, um, but on all retailers and all e-commerce sites, um, etc. So it is a couple of years down the line, but a significant um, program and, and piece of work and something that we need to be kind of working, um, working towards. Um, in in addition to 
I suppose the, the EU um, policy side of things domestically, um, there's a lot of movement in the, the payment space as well. Um, probably first and foremost is the, the, the national payment strategy. So um, Department of Finance um, are opening a public consultation on the national payment strategy, I understand, next week. Um, they will be encouraging everybody, um, so it's an open public consultation, they'll be encouraging everyone to um, respond to, to, to that consultation. Um, the areas that they're looking to cover in the national payment strategy um, are kind of threefold. One is access to cash, um, which again is another um, very topical um, agenda. The other is acceptance of cash. And then the third, which is more broader, um, incorporates the full payment landscape. So probably, you know, the, the future um, of payments. Um, so I think watch the space on the, the national payment strategy. That will be um, a keen one of interest. And then I suppose a, a, a another part um, and, and priority agenda item is, is access to cash as well. And um, so the Irish government are, are moving um, in drafting legislation to um, protect and maintain access to cash levels in line with the EU because we mentioned um, the, the digital euro but the Commission actually published the digital euro as a single currency package alongside the legal tender of cash so it's digital euro and cash published as two separate proposals but all in the same package so Europe are moving um, in the direction to yes progress digital euro but it will complement cash um, and not replace it and they're looking to, um, I suppose, legislate um, to ensure access to cash is maintained. So yes, very busy, um, very busy times in the payments world. Yeah, really interesting progression as we as we see through that. Um, uh, may maybe just to return back to separate instant payments, Jill, perhaps you could wrap it up for us. You know, so what what are the key takeaways? Suppose to, to understand, as, as Tony was saying, the, the, the requirements um, and then to interpret what those requirements um, mean to your business um, because um, they are significant in size and scope. Um, I, I think Tony has outlined them really articulately um, and clearly. Um, there, I think the only thing I, I'd add in terms of real time processing and not batch processing and the can be no underestimation of how challenging that is going to be for, for some institutions. Um, I think in addition to that, the, the fraud aspect and the name and the IBAN matching solution. Um, there are a number of solutions that are live already across Europe, in the UK as well, um, in the Netherlands, for example. Um, but each PSP is going to have to potentially um, engage in an RFI or a P process with a vendor to provide that name and IBAN matching solution. Um, they will have to, that solution will have to be interoperable with every solution across Europe. Um, and that provider or third party um, solution will need to have a solution that is in line with standards that the European Payment Council are currently working on. So there is no pan-European um, IBAN and name matching solution out there yet. Um, so, so, so that will, um, the standards will progress and those solutions that probably exist and maybe new players in the market as well will offer a solution to meet those requirements. Um, but that is, is a significant um, undertaking um, and it'll be a significant um, portion of the, the program, I was going to say project, but it's a program for, for many PSPs. Um, so I, I think we outlined it um, you know, already. 
even though the, the legislative final text is, is not published, it's understanding what the requirements are, mobilising, ensuring the projects are, are mobilised um, and that you are ready to um, receive and send instant payments by the mandated um, deadlines. Thank you very much. It's a significant opportunity, isn't it? There's lots of innov innovation that will come from this. And I think your message about you know, people should be either in flight or getting on with it, right? I think that's really important for people to hear. So that leads me just to thank you, Jill, from uh, BPFI for all of your excellent insights and support in the industry. And Tony from KPMG, thank you very much. Lovely to be here. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you, Anne.